0: Hello. Thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu/institute. schedule to be with us here this evening to talk about her exciting research journey and passion related to developing competencies in medicine and biotechnology for the uae i'm I'm very honored and it's my pleasure to introduce our distinguished speaker dr Habiba safar dr safar is the dean of the college of medicine and health science at khalifa university and she is also a professor at the Biomedical Engineering Department at Khalifa University. Dr. Staffar obtained her bachelor's degree from San Diego State University, her master's degree from the University of Liverpool, and her PhD degree in the University of Western Australia. And now she's in the UAE. She's native to the UAE, so you can see how diverse her background is. Dr. Staffar's research interests are at the intersection of genomics and diseases, with a focus on addressing diseases that are increasing in prevalence among the local communities of the UAE. She has an impressive academic profile with more than 150 scientific publications. She doesn't say it in her biography, but I was counting in Google Scholar, So I assume maybe up to 200 publications. So that's very impressive. Dr. Safar is one of the outstanding Arab women scientists to win the International L'Oreal UNESCO Fellowship for Women in Science, a very prestigious award and very competitive. And she was also awarded the UAE First Honor Medal from His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al Maktoum for being one of the pioneers in her field. Dr. Safar is a member of the UAE Science Council since 2016. And recently, she has been awarded the Khalifa Award for Education for Outstanding University Lecture in the UAE. Now, a fun fact, Dr. Safar worked as a forensics expert for Dubai Police for a number of years, so watch out. Now, without any further ado, Dr. Safar, welcome to NYU Abu Dhabi, Institute Talks, and the floor is yours.
1: Thank you, Dr. Muhammad, for the introduction. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, thank you, Nahed, for all your help and uh, also uh, making sure that I arrived to this campus safely. So thank you so much. Um, So when uh, Ms. Nahed approached me and sent me an email to kind of give a public talk in NYU Abu Dhabi, And I asked them, who are the audiences, a student, are they, you know, a general audience or faculty? Should I make my slides very scientific? Should I make my slides very kind of... to encourage the students to pursue their uh, education in science? I have passion for science. And when Dr. Mohammed said, watch out because I used to be an expert in DNA in Abu Dhabi. I do teach forensic science course at Khalifa University. I teach the student how to commit a complete crime. <laughs> so, if you are interested, you can. Um, there's a couple of posts that I do in my uh, social media as well about this course. So then I just when Naha told me it's a general audience, so I made it very lay language, and also for uh, faculty or scientists can also understand the research that we are taking or undergoing in uh, Khalifa University. Uh, when I came back from my studies and finished my PhD in Australia, I had a passion, of course I still have a passion for science. I looked in the literature and I saw there was a very limited number of research in, in biotechnology and uh, genomics. And back then, we didn't have kind of a genetic lab. They were doing only the thalassemia tel- testing, which was using HPLC, not even PCR. Then I... I made a promise to myself that this has to be changed. I need to give back to my country, who invested on me. I studied in three different continents, 13 years, been abroad, been away from my families, missed a lot of birthdays, weddings, and I said, well, the 13 years need to be worth it. I need to come back and give this back to my country. I joined Khalifa University in 2011, And the first thing that I did, I proposed a center for biotechnology. It Took me four years to get the center approved with a mission and vision of having the state of art infrastructure research for genomics. Visited state of art labs around the world, China, in South Korea, Singapore, US. And we visited Liri Hood, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Leary Hood. He was the one who invented the Sanger Sequencer back in the 80s. So we visited his System Biology Institute in Seattle. I was very amazed how they were kind of working and doing a lot of research towards the personalized medicine, how you can reduce the risk factor or risk score for an individual at high risk of developing breast cancer from 80% to 2%. And this is exactly what I wanted to bring it back to the country. To work on diseases, there is an actionable plan that we can make a difference, prevent diseases. We cannot cure diseases. Diseases is a process of aging. But we need to have a good quality of life. So we took the team of precision medicine, that was back in twenty twelve, and we also published a paper in uh, Nature Genet- in G- Nature Middle East. It, it's not a paper, it was kind of a statement. There is a need, a need for collaboration in the GCC, in the region, in terms of biotechnology or genomes research. So we started to have the vision for, and the research strategy for PTC, and aligned it with the uh, UAE, Abu Dhabi visions, and also, the Sustainable Development Goals, that we need to build the state of art labs and education to be delivered to our um, students, our people, then we can build the capability in this country. And we picked three different themes. One of them is One Health, which has human, animal, plant. Then gradually we develop the system biology, where we build the infrastructure for bioinformatics. And recently, we opened a new team, which is for applied and translation medicine. At the beginning, we didn't have this infrastructure, so we had to do it gradually. Basic science, use the application to understand and read our data, and then we understand or we find our discovery and take it to the market and how we can develop it in a new therapy new immunotherapy uh, kind of treatment for our um, people. So we developed for the past 12 years, let's say, we developed a track record in uh, uh, studying the diseases, chronic diseases especially in the UAE, which is very high prevalent, diabetes, obesity, mental health, cancer, cardiovascular diseases. And when the pandemic happened, So, we included and upgraded the the sensor vision to include infection diseases. We developed research method um, in, in in the institute, standard of operations, and also different protocols for, you know, kind of research agreement, material transfer agreement. These were not even, you know, were not in the place in the university. So, we have to start that from scratch. We also developed a service for our stakeholders. Some of them, they are not interested in research, but they want our help in providing some of the services that they were outsourcing it to um, Western countries. We were uh, an R&D arm for different clinics. One of them is the Fertility Center. We were doing all the R&D um, in, in Biotechnology Center. We also provided some of the courses that a lot of centers, they were requiring like biostatistics courses, bioinformatics, which we collaborated with a top you know, university in Germany and in U.S. to bring these kind of courses, advanced courses to the, to the country. The technology that our platform that we are using for a state of art, again, of molecular uh, tools, which we use microarray, um, whole genome uh, sequencing using next generation sequencing, um, the 10x single cells um, sequencing, and recently we uh, we upgraded our um, center with a PacBio uh, long read sequencing. These are the equipment, and um, the lab is um, in the fourth floor of Khalifa University B building with uh, you can see in the, in the sequencing um, section we do have a short read and also long read and also we can um, do the DNA extraction and rn extraction and then take it to the genotyping and sequencing once we identify a gene of interest then we can go with the sender sequencing to validate our uh, finding and once if we are ready for gene expressions and you know going toward the translation then we do have a um, Cell culture lab, which is accommodated with uh, you know different section, hemato- um, histology, and also um, cell culturing. And um, recently, we we approved to build the um, vivarium animal facility lab, which will be ready, inshallah, in uh, one year. Um, because we do teach as well at the university, and also I train a lot of students, bachelor, master, and PhD student, and doing all the work in um, Biotechnology Center. And when they finish their research, they need to be kind of going to the, to the real world and work in diagnostic lab or accredited lab. So what we did, we, we made sure that our lab is accredited by ISO 15189, licensed by DOH, and also being licensed and accredited for a training uh, center for undergraduate and graduate. We've been told that we are the first research lab to be accredited with this kind of accreditation, which makes us, you know, the credibility and also our results, it's kind of, you know, um, validated because we are following all these procedures. And the student, when they graduate, they go um, to different entities, and they do ha- have the knowledge of the, the lifestyle, let's say, for the, the labs. So I'm going to highlight now in different projects that we are working in uh, in Biotechnology Center, just a snapshot, and then you can understand what we, we are working in depth. So basically, what we are trying to do in uh, Biotechnology Center is to to understand the disease. You want to understand the disease, then you need to read more data. That will make you understand and also to make a conclusion or to, un- to know the pathway towards finding or um, kind of uh, proposing a new treatment. So you have the genotype data, you have phenotype data. The deep phenotype data will give you a really good understanding of a disease and then you man- can make a conclusion. But genomics alone will not give you a full picture. So you need to understand that the more data you have, the better understanding of a disease. That's why we included, first we finished with the genomics, then we upgraded to include different omics, which is proteomics, Metabolomics, Microbiome, and Transcriptomics. So we did it gradually because we wanted the expertise in the field. We were recruiting top scientists in this field and also recruiting PhD students to be kind of engaged with this research from, um, from DOI. Um, so then we decided, okay, we're going to use the genomics and sequencing the UAE population, but we will not be able to make a conclusion about the results because the reference genome has been constructed from three different ethnic groups, European, African, and Caucasian, um, no, I mean Asian. So, what? What we? What are we? The Arab? Where are they? Are um, Caucasian or they're um, African or Asian? Because our location, it's made up a very complex population to study, because of the history, trading history between UAE and India, and also the migration pattern from, uh, you know, Habesha coming to the Middle East, and because of the Hajj as well, uh, the religion equations that a lot of people, they come to the Middle East, practice religion at the same time getting, um, you know, getting married to different tribes makes us a little bit, people will think that we are very diverse, which we are very diverse. (laughs) And also, the migrations between, you know, Asia and going to Europe, they have to cross uh, into the Middle East. So, basically, we are a mixture of different populations. We had to sequence the UAE national samples, we had to construct the UAE reference genome. So, we started, uh, Maryam Al Ali, she is my first master's student. She completed the first whole genome sequence of two Emirati. And then we uh, continued to build the, and construct the UAE reference genome, which was completed in 2020. And we find there is a 20% difference in pathogenicity of the um, disease, in the markers and diseases. What I mean is, there is the markers that associated with the disease. It will give you if you're at a high risk, medium risk, or low risk. And also there are markers that will give you, this is a pathogenic which causes the disease. This is a benign, which does not cause the disease. So, if you take our samples and align it with the HG19 or 38 the reference genome which is available, we find there is a 20% difference. That's a huge difference in terms of diagnosing patients um, based on their genetic makeup. So, we we have published a couple of uh, papers And we highlighted there is a necessity of developing our own reference genome to be used when we are um, going to introduce a personalized medicine. Then we went and uh, we did a project called P4. The P4 actually, um, in the US, it's um, a lot of, you know, in, in Seattle, let's say, they do use P4 it's kind of a full program for an individual. It's a well-being program. It's not covered by insurance, but an individual, if they are interested in their well-being, they go and they do the omics test, proteomics, genomics, microbiome, and uh, metabolomics. And then, based on their genetic, and also based on their microbiome, the coaching or the nutrition will be uh, kind of proposing, recommends the food and the lifestyle they um, they should follow to prevent diseases. And this project was very successful. They were able to reduce um, the diabetes onset, for example, from the pre-diabetic by 20%. So they were at, at the borderline. By following nine months program, they were able to get out you know, of this line. And also diabetic, they were like kind of a pre-diabetic. So, we have adopted this method here in Abu Dhabi, uh, working with uh, with, the Cleveland Clinic. We got a grant from ADEC and we started recruiting patients, Emirati, and also following them every three months. We found really there is a big correlation between your genomics and microbiome. So, basically, watch for what you eat and watch for your gut. And whatever we eat, this is what is causing us the disease. Then, we also did work with the um, rehabilitation center. Uh, we found a lot of people kind of like say the issue of the mental health has never been looked at seriously. And because we, we had an interest from National Rehabilitation Center, they wanted to understand why addict people? They go for the relapse. They come back with addiction, even though they are getting, you know, the treatment. And looking into the genes of response, the, the associated genes with the drug addiction, we did a study, cross-sectional study with the UAE nationals. So we find that 40 to 60 percent drug addiction is genetic. We found the same genes causing the depression the same gene causing the addiction. Going back and understanding the mental health of an individual at early age can prevent us from having these kids going into the addiction. So the history, collecting the data of drug addicts and, you know, looking at their social life, how they reach to that, and since they have that genes predisposition to that genes, gives them, you know, high chance to be the addicted. The drugs so we identify the reason if we solve it at early age let's say in high school there is signs from kids that they are at the depression level if we tackle this problem we will reduce people getting into the drugs um, addiction and we published four paper um, it was a very successful um, project and uh, um, Hebel Bilushi, the lady you saw her in the picture. She's uh, my first PhD co-supervision with um, Australian faculty, and she is now assistant professor at uh, UAEU. Another project that we are working with a collaboration with NYU, UAEU, Sharjah University, it's the Virtual Research uh, Institute. I'm looking at the genetics of cancers in the UAE to understand the genetic uh, etiology, and to create an atlas genome for cancers mutation, for seven types of cancers, lung, cronectal, breast, prostate, ovarian, thyroid, and leukemia. We put these seven uh, cancers because it's high prevalence in the UAE. Again, all our samples, or our research, or our projects are related and custom made for the UAE, for this country. We're collecting samples from families. Basically, your medical record, it's your family tree. If You look at your family tree, this is your medical record. Why we're collecting frontiers? Because you inherit 50% of your gene from your father and 50% from your mother. And it will be a very kind of straightforward to detect if this gene is coming from inheritance subjects or also there is a lifestyle kind of um, uh, influence from the environment um, uh, factors. We're also doing the omics in this project. Again, um, we used to collect only blood for genomics, but genomics will not give you a full answer. The omics, it's way forward to understand any diseases, especially chronic diseases. We have another project that this is a very strategic project with Belgium. This is kind of we wanted to go for immunotherapy application translation because we've been doing a lot of basic science. We wanted to move to tra- translation. But this time, we wanted to do it with the top scientist in uh, cardiovascular disease, Dr. Peter Carmlet He's number one scientist in Belgium. And we wanted to understand more understanding or how the, the disease is developing, especially chronic cancer. So, why diabetes is high prevalence here? The prevalence of diabetes is 17% in the UAE, but if you look at the U.S., it's 10%. But obesity is really high in the U.S. You can see the fast food, the lifestyle is different. In Australia, it's 1%. So, why we are at high you know, percentage of having these diseases? We said we're going to understand the source of this disease, which is the endothelial cells in the vessel. How the diseases are becoming or developing, it's from that starting. So now, we are working with Peter Carmlet to sequence cell sequencing of these cells and to understand the mystery genes which make us kind of, you know, these this cells will, can protect us from these diseases. I'll give you an example. I'm not going to make it a very difficult. Have you ever heard of someone has heart cancer? Maybe it's very very rare. Why we don't hear it very often? Because the heart is surrounded with these endothelial cells that is the mystery genes which is six thousand. They it's uh, and these are making the heart protecting the heart from these kind of you know tumors to get there. So we are trying to understand that protect our patients, to protect our people from developing or progressing the disease. We are also looking at uh, different complications of type 2 diabetes. One of them we find the liver, fatty liver. A lot of physicians, they say it's very rare to see it in the western countries with diabetic patients, but here everybody has a fatty liver. They are diabetic. Is there a direct or indirect Correlation with diabetes, so we wanted to understand the liver. It's a very kind of complex organ, okay? So what we did is um, we asked a lot of physicians, "When do you see this complication?" They tell me like within like 20, ten years of having diabetes or twenty years. So the so liver, it's a very prog- the progress of any diseases in the liver is very slow. So we said, okay, if we develop kind of a mechanism for early detection of the fatty liver. Will that help? They said yes, of course. So we went for the genotyping a microarray of these individuals at high risk of. Uh, I mean, they have confirmed cases with fatty liver, and then we do genotyping and we find two markers that associated with that complication. Imagine this very simple test can save lives and also can save a lot of um uh, kind of time and also to confirm the diagnosis for um, the patients at early age at early stage of diabetes so they can prevent it and also the doctors can uh, kind of give them a personalized medicine treatment to manage their disease. Um, this project actually typing uh, it was my second PhD student Halima Naqbi again, we are using a lot of commercial kits. When we have a donor recipient, we have a leukemia patient, we need to look for a donor uh, for bone marrow. And since you have a family here, extended family, I don't think you need a registry because your family can be your registry. But if you have five siblings, six siblings, three of them are matched, Whom are you going to select? Usually they go with the closest in age, but sometimes... When you do the, the the sequencing or the HLA typing, or the matching markers, you will miss some of the region which is not in the kit. Because we do a lot of we have a lot of consanguinity marriages, cousin, Marie and cousin. Sometimes you will have the recombinant DNA. What is the recombinant DNA? There is a hot spots in your chromosome. When there is crossing, it might cross from, you know, different positions of the chromosome, that's the recombinant DNA, which if an individual has that, then it's very difficult for him to have a match. But if we do sequencing for the entire HLA region, we might identify the best um, donor for the patient. So at the moment, the kit is available in the market, it's only covering 20% of that region. And I can tell you from our research, this kid kind of missed a lot of recombinant DNA, and we will see a lot of patients after they do the transplant, they come and relapse after five years. Even if they had the match 10 over 10, because of missing some of the region. We are currently working on a project, uh, also constructing the second part of the Emirati reference genome, Uh, This is a collaboration with NYU, Abu Dhabi, UAEU, uh, Sharjah University, uh, NBRU. And it's uh, funded from the executive office, Abu Dhabi executive office, which we are also collaborating with group 42 and overseeing the project department of health. We are constructing the reference genome using the national genome project. The sequencing are done in group 42. And then we do uh, read these genomes and uh, kind of have a full pan Arab um, reference genome with different technology. We are in phase three right now. Inshallah, hopefully we can complete it by the end of this year. During COVID, we were heavily involved in a lot of research with the government. We were um, kind of, you know surveillance uh, through the clinical samples, also the environmental samples. We also identified the mammals at, at, you know, kind of, they were, um, they were kind of the animals that can transfer diseases to the human. We identify them here in the UAE with uh, Al Ain Zoo, with Abu Dhabi Food Authority, Adiska, I think the name. And also we did a lot of, you know, samples in uh, human to identify kind of why people are getting severe um, COVID or infections and also um, you know from the microbiome people why they are asymptomatic or medium or moderate or severe. We found really a very um, you know the microbiome we find um, kind of why people are asymptomatic. They have the best guts or microbiome in their guts that made them a very kind of um, not having symptoms. So again microbiome and your gut is the most important organ in your body. The surveillance project we did for the wastewater, we were detecting the hot spot in the UAE, the viral load. If we uh, kind of um, we can predict the waves by three weeks and we were reporting it to the governments and there was a lockdown and partial lockdown, full lockdown and also closing specific area that was based on a lot of data. One of them is the wastewater detection for SARS. And we also identify uh, the variant. We were not only giving a service here, we were doing a research. We developed uh, a sensor, biosensor using graphene method to detect the COVID in less than 30 seconds. And we have a patent for that and it's going for commercialization soon. We published more than 27 papers on COVID. Um, So, we're not just doing research, we're also developing or training, mentoring the future scientists, and also how to take their discovery to the market, from bench to market. I did not have this privilege when I was doing my PhD and Master and, you know, Bachelor. We think we are science, we are scientists, we need to work in the lab, but most of these discoveries, they end at the you know, kind of publications or patents. But to build the 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 knowledge based economy then we need to train our students, to train our staff and to also to get that training into entrepreneurship to get our um you know discoveries to the market. So we, we got a grant from Expo twenty twenty, uh where we, we identify the SNPs um associated with thyroid cancer and also pharmacogenomics, you know, the best chemo or treatments for an individual. And also we did for genomics and uh, HLA typing projects. Okay, we, we do a lot of also kind of activities. We, uh, we did a couple of symposiums. Uh, we invited um, experts in the region, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Kuwait to share their kind of experience and research to share their vision and, you know, having a GCC genome project. And we started in uh, 2018. And we were doing a lot of progress, but COVID hit. Now we are really, uh, kind of initiating this project. We had another symposium with, uh, where we invited clinicians or, you know, kind of um, scientists, clinicians. They were involved in the Cancer uh, Genome Project of UK. So they, they've been really successful in providing the genome data in the clinical platform and it was one of the successful projects in the UK. So we we had the chance to, to meet with them and also to be engaged with our student. We have symposium for the student. There uh, they we meet our collaborators and discuss our findings and also they get a feedback and um Kind of um, this exercise for especially for the UAE nationals where you need to build that confidence on students that they think that you know my discovery or my research is kind of not to that level of you know people are presenting Western countries but doing this exercise we get our collaborators this gives them like the self esteem up and also to practice on presenting their findings as well. Um, many of you, you know, that we have uh, lack of bioinformatics uh, expertise in this field, um, especially you know, um, like four years ago. But now we are building this infrastructure. We did build this infrastructure, and now we have uh, kind of programs, AI programs. We have bioinformatics minor, and we do have biomedical engineering um, studying or learning coding. Where they come and. They look at the whole genome sequence data and develop, you know, kind of uh, their skills and develop in uh, bioinformatics uh, field. Uh, we do a lot of summer internships since 2015 uh, from abroad, from local. Um, for the past, uh, say, eight years, we trained more than 400 students, uh, bachelor and as in the internship program. Every year we have different topics. Uh, basically, they are exposed to uh, learning the techniques in molecular biology. At the end of the internship, they present their uh, finding and also they write a manuscript. Out of this project, we published uh, four paper in Q1 journals. We do have collaboration international and national. We collaborate with most of the you know university in the region and also um, with the collaboration outside we also been you know members in different consortium that we share knowledge and um, expertise in the field Um, 2012 i started with two people now i have 43 mashallah (laughs) say mashallah (laughs) Um, i'm very very privileged and honored to work with my team i have a great team so all the successful projects and everything is because of them and um, we have, like, almost 16 students, they, they completed their bachelor and master in less than eight years, which just give me kind of a proud moment to have my, uh, you know, students working in different entities now, and they are very successful in publishing paper and research. To make a difference in someone's life and, you know, research, for me, it's like my job has been uh, accomplished and um, there is always a um, kind of a moment to, to grow as well, but I've been there for all my teams since they joined and also they finished or they went for different, still we are in touch and we do work together as well in different collaboration uh, projects. This kind of picture of uh, you know people working in the labs. Uh, we do have um, faculty, and also collaborators that they are in our advisory board, scientific advisory boards from, you know, kind of hospitals, uh, different university, industrial, and also from the region Saudi Arabia, for example, we have, and also international. Most of our grant, I will say, and sponsoring or, you know, funded for these projects, I'll say 90% is external and 10% is internal. And to have a healthier nation, we need to collaborate. We need to work together. One person cannot do everything. This is not my work. This is a teamwork. This is a teamwork
0: You've been listening to a download from the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. You'll find more information on our website, www.nyuad.nyu.edu slash institute.